Hey, I'm in one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, my daughter Laura and her husband Zach's house. And I would have Laura back on because it's a darn much fun, but I can't keep having her on all the time and not pay her anything. So I have to be judicious with that. But it makes me really happy. And that's a very appropriate thing because what we're going to talk about today is the treasure and the vessel. The treasure always comes in a vessel. This is from Dallas Willard's Renovation of the Heart, page 236. We're moving towards the end of it. I'll let you know in coming days kind of what's coming next. I'll take a little break at some point. Um, but this has just been uh, an incredibly rich journey. And he's talking in this chapter about how um, the most important process in the universe is the formation of human character. And really what the church stewards above all else is the offer that came uniquely through this person of Jesus, through his life and his message, um, for human beings to become truly good and to do that together with God, to be loved by God and to create a little community. And, and that's what matters. And so to help people grow in that direction, that's why the church exists. But we always seem to get distracted uh, from that. And here's what Dallas writes in this section on the vessel and the treasure. Of course, we don't think we're distracted. The things we're investing our efforts in seem absolutely primary. They're usually the things that make up being a good and proper, whatever, Protestant, Catholic, Anglican, Baptist, just good Christian in that particular place. But the people on location have actually mistaken the vessel from the treasure. And this now is a crucial distinction that comes from the Apostle Paul. He's been talking about how now we with unveiled faces are being transformed from one degree of glory to another by the spirit that God has given us and that where the spirit is, there is freedom and there is this treasure. But then he goes on to say, this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, For God who said, let, let light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who shone in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge. And that's participation in the glory that's beauty, wonder, purity, goodness of God in the face. This is someone we know, our friend of Christ. So now all of this is unbelievable treasure. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. So the distinction here is between the treasure, the treasure is eternal it is spiritual, um, it brings us together, it unites us, um, it is deeply, deeply powerful, um, it is transcendent, it is invisible, it can't really be seen, versus the vessel, and the vessel is physical, the vessel is temporal, the vessel is earthly, uh, vessel issues often kind of divide us. There's the treasure, and there is the vessel. Dallas goes on, primary application of this distinction between treasure and vessel in the context was Paul's own body and the visible events of his life in the world. Uh, he says, our outer man is decaying. He was not troubled by this. 
And when Paul actually goes on to say we have this uh, treasure in jars of clay, in earthen vessels, he goes on to say, so we are uh, pressed down but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. And I think in particular how amazing it is that Paul would say he's perplexed. Um, as an uncomfortable condition. Abraham Lincoln said about one of his generals, Ambrose Burnsides, once after a difficult battle that he seemed paralyzed. He was uh, like a duck that had been stunned by a blow to the side of the head. And when we're perplexed, we're that way. Just don't know what to do, don't know what to make of it. That's Paul. But that's okay because he has a treasure and it's in an earthen vessel. For him, it's uh, his weakness, his body, physical reality. It was accepted and recognized by him as the occasion for the triumph of the treasure. But now the same principles of vessel and treasure apply, Dallas says, to our local congregations, their traditions, their high-level grouping called denominations. Now it's worth noting, he said, that almost anything that we have that's called a denomination is negative. That is, it got formed by something that we do that they, whoever they are, don't do. Most denominations are part of a movement called Protestantism. That is, we have protested. Protested against what? Well, protested against what they think or what they do. And then he says, our various groups become, over time, nearly 100% vessel. That is, they seem to regard as essential, and what they devote almost all their attention and effort to, has to do with human historical contingencies, that have attached themselves to individuals brought up in a certain way. So, what kind of clothes should people wear to meetings? Should they stand still when they sing? And what should they sing? Should there be a prayer ministry? Should it be part of the service, after the service, at a different service? Should we be seeker-friendly or whatever the alternatives are? Should we expect miracles to happen in our services, permit miracles to happen in our services, or just sound teaching? How should the Lord's Supper be done and baptism? Should we use a prayer book? And if so, should it be a new one or an old one? How should we raise funds for the church? And how should they be spent? And who should spend them? What should our creed be in? Should we have one? What about those people who use incense, who burn candles, who wear strange clothes to do ministerial things, or who don't? And churches have always had to wrestle with this issue of vessels and getting attached to the vessel and getting divided over this. There's an old story about a man who had lived for years on a desert island. When they pick him up, they say, what's that building? Because there were several buildings. They say, oh, that's where I live. What's that building? That was my store. What's that building? That's where I went to church. What's that building? That's where I used to go to church. Um, We can find reasons to divide and split churches uh, for almost anything. Nancy and I were with a group of pastors from the Beria not too long ago, and one of them was talking about how he was a pastor, and there were a group of people at his church that were all fired up over uh, politics and masks, and they were complaining, and they were divisive, and they eventually left the church. And he said, to tell you the truth, I was kind of glad that they left. I was glad those sheep went away. And so we were thinking about uh, variations on Jesus' parable of the shepherd and the sheep, like the shepherd who said, a group of my sheep have left my flock and called his friends together and said, let us rejoice and be glad. 
Or it might be if you're one of the sheep and you have a bad, incompetent, egotistical shepherd. Our shepherd got lost. Let us rejoice and be glad. Churches uh, always are a combination of this vessel. What are the particular practices? How do we do things? And yet within them, there is the treasure. Now you might think to yourself, well, I'd like to have just treasure, no vessel. But that's not the offer. doesn't come that way. And uh, God is the one behind this arrangement. And Paul tells us why. We have this treasure, transcendent goodness, light, hope, love from Jesus, in jars of clay, earthen vessels, broken churches, broken communities, led by broken people, in bodies that are falling apart, with weirdness and embarrassments and inadequacies, so that the surpassing greatness will be seen to come from God and not from us. We could not handle a perfect church. And when we think we have designed one, when we try to create super churches that get everything just right, then our attention and our pride tends to go to them and we lose sight of the wonder of the treasure. So, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you want to know God, then love the church. I'm so grateful for the churches that I have gotten to be a part of. So grateful for the ways that they have enriched my life and wish that I could have served them better. But uh, I'm part of that vessel, part of that goofiness and the weakness and inadequacy. But I'm so grateful for the church. So um, we all want to be. We all want to uh, treasure that church and remember the parts of it that are vessel and be thankful to God for the treasure that came through us, the love of Jesus that shone through, and gather together with people to worship so that we can love them, so that we can see them. For Nance and me, when our life has been at its darkest, there'd be times when Nance would go to church, not because the music was going to touch her or the message would be inspiring, just so that she could find, she would say, three people that she could uh, express love and care for and maybe pray for. And then as you go through this day, remember, what is true about the church is also true of every human being. Every human being, a tattered coat on a stick. I think it was the way that Yates put it. Portable plumbing. And yet, God has made them a little lower than the angels. They contain within them, within that vessel, within that strangeness, within that weakness, there is the image of God. There is the breath or the spirit breath or the ruach of God in them. There is a person upon whom Jesus looked and said, I will gladly die for this one. So today, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Accept the vessel and see and revere the treasure. Till next time.